Hello and welcome to the History of Judaism, the history and story of the Jews told from a Jewish educated perspective. My name is Yossi Silverman, I am a Jewish educator, Israeli tour guide and student of traditional Jewish texts. Last time we discussed the historical background to the Abraham or the Avram story. We're going to finish the story. This time in particular we're going to focus on the beginning of Hebrew identity as opposed to other identities in the area and other ethnicities in this area and time period. The first story concerns a group who tie in with the discussion we had last time about the historical issues in the Torah. Avram meets a king named Avimelech, king of Gerar. Okay, I'll stop doing that. The king of Gerar. Now, he is supposed to be a Philistine. It's not entirely sure who the Philistines were, but most non-biblical sources talk about a group or groups of warlike Indo-Europeans, possibly from the Aegean. That means kind of Greeky. With various names that I'll discuss in later podcasts, they're supposed to arrive on the scene... Listen carefully, around 1200 to 1000 BCE, and bring about the great collapse of the region. Now this really messes with us, because they're certainly not Middle Bronze Age, and if we're going to talk about this period being Middle Bronze Age, then this historical group just doesn't fit in this period, unless you happen to be from the critical school. Again, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, listen to the earlier broadcast and the critical school they kind of happen to like that sort of thing messing with the timeline in later stories we learn that the philistines they live on the coastal plain and the judeans live on the central mountain range so one possibility is the text is talking in iron age or late bronze age language uh, based on the uh, an idea actually from what we call the fundamentalist school that Moses himself wrote the Bible. This is something which most Orthodox Jews believe. And he would have to be speaking in language that could be understandable. So when he's writing Philistines, it could just mean people who come from the general area where the Philistines lived. So, Gerar, okay, I'll stop. Gerar was where the Philistines were from. Now, let's do a quick flashback. Cue interesting flashback computer-generated graphics to the story of the angels from the first podcast. Avram is visited by four angels. They are on various missions. Mission from God, so to speak. Very Blues Brothers, to destroy Sodom, to save Lot, to bring the news that the 90-year-old Sarah will have her first child, a boy. Sarah laughs, ha, and says, how am I going to have a child when I've stopped menstruating and Avram is not what he used to be? And the boy is named Yitzhak, meaning he will laugh, or Isaac in what actually was Greek, but now English. He's circumcised at the age of eight days old, and that is the tradition to this day amongst Jewish people. Later, Avram receives another really weird request, and I'm going to tell the story, adding in some rabbinic traditions. God asks him to take his son. He says, son, 
God says, your only son. Avram says, I have two. God says, the one who you love and sacrifice him to me. Now, if you want a History of Islam podcast, I recommend just swap all the names over to instead of Yitzchak, uh, Ismail or Ishmael, uh, and change the location to a mountain near Mecca. So, uh, for the Jewish podcast, we identify the child as Yitzchak, and Avraham takes him to a mountain called Moriah. No, that's not a dark kingdom of dwarves, but a mountain, literally meaning God will show, identified by the rabbis as the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. He silently piles up the wood on a stone on the mountain. As he's strapping Yitzhak to the rock, Yitzhak says, I see the wood and I see the knife, but where is the lamb? Avraham says nothing. Avraham finishes tying Yitzchak up. He slowly lifts up the ma'achelet, meaning sacrificial knife or literally eater. And as just as he's about to plunge the knife into his son's neck, an angel calls out, Avraham, Avraham. Why twice? Maybe Avraham was so bent on fulfilling God's command that even an angel calls out, Avraham, Avraham. Why twice? Maybe Avraham was so bent on fulfilling God's command that even an order to desist was hard to take in. Avraham calls out, Here am I! And God orders Avraham to sacrifice a ram whose horns have been conveniently caught in a thicket next to the summit of the hill. One possible background to the story is that there is some archaeological evidence of infant sacrifice in ancient Judea. And I look at my bibliographies on the website for that. There is a tradition from the Bible and the rabbinic tradition of people sacrificing their children to a god called Molech. And according to scripture, people used to pass their children over like a kind of fire to this fertility god. And where did this take place? In the valleys around Jerusalem. Obviously, we can talk about a juxtaposition there. We can talk about this new theology replacing old theologies. Uh, However, there's a little uh, something which should be irking you. What should be irking you? What do we learn about in the first podcast? We heard that Abraham pleaded with God to save the people of the Jordan Valley. When it comes down to his son, what does he say? Nothing. Now, there's a school of thought that maybe we can iron out every single flaw in biblical heroes, giving cute explanations of people's strange behaviour. I'm not going to do this. Avram's a complex, contradictory character. He's a human being with real flaws. Now, I can't even tell you what the test of faith is supposed to be in this case. Maybe it's he's supposed to argue with God. Maybe he failed. Maybe he's trying to show how obedient he is. Did Avram fail? Guess what? A good educator should be able to say these words. I don't know. Equally, I'm sure that there's a great response from the critical school that we learnt about last time, making the story of Abraham's sacrifice or lack of sacrifice of Isaac 
an Iron Age story, or a different Bronze Age story, or a different narrative, but I think that makes it also too easy. I think it's better in terms of the story if you don't explain it, if you don't explain away the problems. After the sacrifice, Sarah dies. Some say this is connected to the event itself. She is so traumatised by the very idea of Avram sacrificing her son that off she goes and dies. And Avram is faced with a question. Where is she going to bury Sarah? He comes to a city called Hebron or Hebron or Hebron. There was a custom that the elders would sit at the city gates and discuss important matters. Tavram comes to the city gates and who is standing there but another ethnicity that we're going to meet. Ephron the Hittite. Now who are the Hittites? There's a Hittite empire in the northeast of Canaan. That's the area of Syria and Turkey and Lebanon parts and uh, we're going to see how does this ethnicity come off in relation to the other ethnicities we've met. We've met Pharaoh, that's Egyptian. We've got met Avimelech, who's either Canaanite or Philistine. How does Ephron come off? Well, listen to this. Ephron says, now according to the text, he says in front of the Amha'aret, meaning the Ignorant land worker, meaning loud enough for people in the fields to hear in public. No, no, my friend, he says. There's no need to pay. Why would you need to pay? After all, what's a measly 400 shekels between you and me? What's going on? Clearly, Ephron wants Avram to pay an inordinate sum of money. Otherwise, why would we be going through this whole pantomime? He wants to embarrass him. He wants people to think Avram's a cheapskate and he wouldn't pay for anything ordinarily. And also maybe this 400 shekels, maybe that is a lot of money. As we learned last time, a shekel is a large circle of silver. This story is highlighting the difference between three groups. The local Canaanites, Avram the Hebrew, the other, and Ephron the Hittite, the other, other, all vying for control. Now the cave of the patriarchs, is, which is what he bought, where Sarah is buried, is also where Avram's later buried, and his sons and grandsons. We have a tradition of where that is today. That's in Hebron or Hebron. The building itself is a pilgrimage site, is 2,000 years old. Um, is there anything from an older date there? Well, funnily enough, funnily enough, there's not been any proper archaeology done because it's a little bit of a political hotspot. So what happens next? Abraham orders his servant to go and find a wife for Yitzchak. But running with our theme here, he asks him specifically not to go for the local girls. No, no, he must marry a Hebrew too. In fact, he tells his servant to go all the way to a place called Aram. We're going to discuss a little bit of that next time, but just note this. This Hebrew group seems to be exclusive. There are certain people who are inside the group and certain people are outside the group. And there's probably some moral reason connected to that. Aram itself then goes and marries Keturah. 
some of the rabbis suggest that's Hagar, because now Sarah's dead, so he's free to marry his concubine. He has some kids. Uh, they move east. There's not much written about that. Now we have four Hebrews. Let's go through them. Abraham, now deceased. Yitzchak, and I'd like to say Yishmael too. There are many rabbinic stories about Yishmael. Many of them are negative. In today's world, where Yishmael is identified as Islam, these stories pop to the forefront. Please take note, for our purposes at certain points in history, Ishmael is seen as a very positive character. I would claim that he's a Hebrew, like the others, not a Jew. I'm not calling anybody Jews at the moment. And 2,000 years later, Jews still named their children Yishmael, to the extent that a popular rabbi in the first century BC was one Rabbi Ishmael, and he's responsible for many key concepts in Jewish law. And we're going to have a new Hebrew next week. That'll be Rivka or Rebecca. And she's from Aram. This is a new kind of updated version of Hebrew. And we can discuss the culture there and the effect it has on the new group that's emerging. And that's all next time. I'm going to be posting my bibliography up on my website. That's going to include all the text that you need, but just a quick note. Uh, you probably need a copy of the Bible in Hebrew if you speak Hebrew. If you can't get that, the one that I would recommend would be the Jewish Publication Society Tanakh. That means Jewish Bible. If you want to be reading some more, that's what I recommend doing. Read the Bible. This is Yossi Silverman, Jewish educator and licensed tour guide. Feel free to check me out at scoutisrael.com or you can search for The Story of Judaism on iTunes and please feel free to write me a review. Thank you for listening.